This is Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical or theological questions in 10 minutes or less. Today's question comes from Alex. Hi, Dr. E. You recently described Reformed theology, and I found that incredibly helpful. Thanks, well, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about a biblical hermeneutic and some ways it might be at odds with dispensational theology? This is fascinating. I never even would have thought those two were at odds. So, and maybe, I don't know. And what it, are you going to say, Dad? Well, yeah. And if we read behind <laughs> Alex's question, I mean, he's basically saying what's wrong with dispensational theology from a biblical hermeneutic. Okay. Uh, that's not unfair to put that on the question. Yeah. Let me take this from a very different tact, Alex, because number one, I can't do it in 10 minutes. <laughs> so that, that's, that's a huge one. So what I will say, when we talk about a biblical hermeneutic and how that works into dispensationalism, and I've talked about that before, I don't believe dispensationalism is the theology. It's a way of doing theology. Yeah, it's one And lens. I'm in a minority view among dispensationalists. Right. Um, and then there's progressive dispensationalists who I don't agree with. It's like Reformed theology. There's a lot of different stovepipes yes. on what they hold. Yes. Of course, we all want to be right. So <laughs> let, let me approach it this way. And the churches where I've served, we have worked very hard on a statement of faith. Mm-hmm. And the preamble to the statement of faith is the Bible, how we understand Scripture, which is my attempt and those who worked on this to explain a biblical hermeneutic. Okay. So let's go through this quickly, and then you can ask me some questions, and maybe it'll help Alex. Okay. And I love this statement, and I've used it in two churches, and I've given it to several churches. It was really developed at Emmanuel, mm-hmm. and there were a bunch of great thinkers, Steve Holly, Ralph White, Gary Holmberg, Dennis Perry, these men who love the Scripture, and they worked on this statement for a long time. We had it in place, but they wanted it to be more accessible. What do we mean when we say the Bible and how we understand it? Mm-hmm. So this is what we wrote. The teaching and foundation of, and you could put a church name, is based on the scriptures. This statement of faith reflects doctrines essential to understanding, teaching, and practicing God's word. We approach the Bible hermeneutically through normal, grammatical, literal, historical, and a theological lens. Mm -hmm. Those five words, normal, grammatical, literal, historical, theological. Let me give you a simple definition for each one. Normal, understanding the words of Bible in their common usage unless otherwise indicated by context. Okay. So you've heard that silly illustration about the peanut I've used endlessly. Yeah. When I read the word blessed, what does it mean simply, clearly in that passage? Other words we have to do some homework with. Yeah. But the normal way the word is used. We talk about fields of meaning. Mm-hmm. Salvation does not always mean a theological Saving, like saving, it means faith. save mm-hmm. from drowning, yeah. save from being sick, mm-hmm. okay? So that's what a field of meaning is. Secondly, normal grammatical, using the recognized rules of grammar in our interpretation. Mm-hmm. That requires some knowledge of English, Greek, or Hebrew, Greek yeah. Hebrew, and a little Aramaic. And that's why I th- still believe there's value in knowing languages. Literal, normal, grammatical, literal, understanding the meaning of the Bible in an ordinary sense unless context requires a figurative interpretation. Sure. So when you come to prophecy, some of that stuff is figurative. Of course. And you have to say, what is this beast with all these heads right. and this dragon? <laughs> right. Is that a literal? Right. Some of it's very simple, but some of it can be a little nuanced, and that's where we have to do our homework. Historical, understanding the words of the Bible and the context in which they're written. And this is probably one of the ones I see 
most often ignored. Interesting. Because if you don't know what's going on in the book of Isaiah. Right. Or the backdrop of sure. Job. Yeah. You can do selective verse theology and build some pretty wonky oh teaching. Some of the Job verses that I see floating around the internet, I'm like, this does not mean what you think it means. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What was that movie? I don't think you mean what that yeah. word means. Uh, yeah. It was inconceivable. Yeah. 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 And then finally, theological, a consistent consideration of the whole Bible when drawing a theological position or conclusion. So normal, grammatical, literal, historical, theological. Now, I wouldn't die for it, but I think that's a good order as well hmm. because I'm thinking of what is the normal meaning of the word? How does the grammar tell me something about the usage mm -hmm. of it? Literal, is it what it says that is at face value? Mm -hmm. Historical, I need to know what Jesus was talking about when he said take the log out of your own eye. Yeah. And theological, doing theology helps you from getting into error. Right. If it's consistently in the Old Testament and the New or expanded upon, uh -huh. that keeps me from getting in trouble. So to me, this back to the question, rather than take apart Reformed or even dispensational theology where they're wrong, I want to start with a biblical hermeneutic to drive and govern my theology, uh -huh. which is why it landed on the last one, theology. So to me, this is very helpful. And the illustration I love to use is the Abrahamic covenant, Okay, 12 15, 17, 19, and then in the New Testament, we have references to this covenant. Mm -hmm. When God made the covenant to Abram, what was going on in the history of that context? He mm -hmm. was promised a multitude of descendants. Yeah, He's got one half son, mm -hmm. Ishmael. Yep. He's getting old. He doesn't have a lot of sons yep. and a lot of grandchildren yep. yet. He's got one, and God reiterates the promise to him again and again. It was a unilateral unconditional promise, meaning God was going to do it through Abraham, whether no, he liked no it or not. not. <laughs> no matter what. Conditional promises. If you do this, I'll bless yeah. you. Okay. So Abrahamic covenant is an important one to look at from a benchmark. We also have the Noahic okay. unilateral covenant. Yeah. I'll never again flood the whole earth. Yeah. The new covenant, mm -hmm. Davidic messianic covenant, 2 Samuel 7. These are unilateral covenants that God will bring to bear. Yeah. I don't care what your theological structure is. Are you going back to a normal, grammatical, literal, historical, theological context? And that's the only way I can be safe in interpreting the mm -hmm. meaning of those. And that's where I would differ with Reformed theology. Mm -hmm. That's where I would differ with some of my dispensational friends that hold to ultra-dispensational or whatever. So those to me, the biblical hermeneutic drives theology more than the other way around. Mm, okay. And as we've talked before, I think, unfortunately, most people who attend a church that are never going to dive this deeply, they just believe what the pastor says. Right. Right. I believe this because my pastor is reformed. I believe that because my pastor went to such and such a seminary. In a way, that's heartbreaking. In another way, I get it. Right. Because not many people are going to deep dive a lot into of these time subjects. and work and study. And, yeah. yeah. So dispensationalism, like covenant or reformed theology— or systematic theology, or progressive theology, or you know, process theology. Covenant theology. They all have their strengths and weaknesses. Yes. The reason I hold the dispensationalism, I think it fits with that hermeneutic more mm. consistently than others. Than other kinds of theologies. Got so. it. That makes sense. I have zero follow-up questions. Really? Probably because I'm not smart enough. You're a seminary student. Just not smart enough You're to a have seminary any student. Questions. You haven't got to that paper yet, right? <laughs>
<laughs> well, I had my biblical hermeneutics class already, so you know. I don't, I don't know. So was that in line with what you kind of studied? Uh huh. But I, I mean, my hermeneutics. Gosh, was it Heiser? I can't remember anymore who my hermeneutics. Heiser with I the know. Lord. I know. I know. What a loss. What a loss. But apparently, the Lord decided He had done His it's time part. Time to go home. Yeah. So I'm glad He's no longer suffering. I'm jealous in that regard. <laughs> I know you are, but we're glad you're here. So speaking maybe, of that, <laughs> we are. We're very glad you're here. If you've got a question for Dr. E, call us, text us, email us. The info is in your show notes. Ask Dr. E is produced by me, Hannah Seymour, mixed and mastered by Sonomorphic, and music composed by Jason Germain. And a shout out to Sonomorphic. Tim had us on his podcast, if you haven't yeah. heard that. you ought to, it, I kind of listened to that, actually. It was pretty fun to listen yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. That's nice that you like listening to yourself. No, just... <laughs> I listen to you. I, I, you know, because I hear myself incessantly, which drives me nuts. But listening to me you too. is like, oh, what does she mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> I have to talk to her later about that answer. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs>